0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's, where two doctors that have been assigned to monitor Kevin Feige's heart, because he's been a little stressed lately. I'm Matt Johnson, and I think this podcast
1: is actually about to get a creative overhaul. And I'm Austin Terry, and this is 100% the most self-indulgent episode we've ever done. That's right, because on today's show, we're doing something
0: a little bit different. We're not reviewing a movie or TV show. We're more so doing a deep dive into the troubled production of an upcoming production that has been so wild we thought it would be fun to go over the timeline and talk about it. That project, of course, I'm sure you've been hearing about it is Daredevil Born Again, a project that started development in March 2022, got a ground-up complete overhaul in September 2023 after Kevin Feige watched the footage that was like done so far. <laughs> uh, we don't know his specific thoughts, but he fired the writing and directing team, so I think we can guess. And now it's a completely different animal altogether. So let's take a look at what happened today. Um, I don't even know if we need to do a real, like, You all out there know, you guys know what Daredevil and Wilson Fisk have been up to lately. All we really know about like the premise or the log line they're using, and this will probably change too with another overhaul that we're going to get next year. Uh, But Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk are actually trying to put their rivalry and darker alter egos aside to help the people of New York, only for their pasts, of course, to catch up to them. But I just kind of want to move on and get right into it because we have a lot to go over. So with that. Let's go ahead and dive into this timeline, Austin. I want to know first, though, what are your thoughts on, like, the three seasons of Daredevil over on Netflix overall, and what have you kind of heard, slash, how do you feel about the Disney Plus reboot in general with Daredevil Born Again?
1: Yeah, I think I follow the general public sentiment for the first three seasons of Netflix on Daredevil, and that they're great. Um, All three of them have things to love. Seasons one and three are definitely the best. The first half of season two is great, and then it kind of falters a little bit, but I mean... I think the main thing that stands out is the casting for everybody in that Netflix series is perfect. I mean, they nailed it with Daredevil. They nailed it with Fisk. Foggy Nelson and Karen Page are great. And then they like, is there a more perfect casting than John Bernthal as the Punisher? I don't think so. So all of that is perfect. Moving into kind of the MCU things. I think that's where things have really faltered for me, particularly with Kingpin. Um, They've really, to me, it feels like they've really changed his character since he was in the Netflix thing. So I, that kind of leads into my troubled thoughts for Daredevil. Given what we've seen with Hawkeye and Echo, I'm really concerned that they're kind of going to try and t- tone down the tone of that show and what they established with Netflix. Originally, it was going to be TV-14. It looks like they're more now willing to lean into it being more mature. Um, that said, so what they've done with Fisk is the kind of the most troubling thing to me. The more I've thought about it since we watched Echo, I'm worried they're really going to try and kind of do that MCU thing where they turn the villain into a likable guy, and they've kind of made him feel like your crazy, wacky uncle so far in what we've seen in the MCU. So I think that's what I'm most concerned about, heading into Daredevil Born Again. So all that to say, I love everything Netflix has done with Daredevil, and I'm pretty nervous for what Marvel's going to do when it is on Disney Plus officially.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on the first three seasons of the original show. Love it. Still love it. It's my favorite of kind of those Defenders... um... Those four shows, and then, of course, I guess you can count The Punisher and uh, Defenders, uh, the actual show Defenders, the miniseries. But, yeah, Daredevil was always my favorite. What uh, about Iron Fist? I did watch both. I mean, I did watch both <laughs> seasons. Uh, <laughs> season two wasn't too bad. But, um, yeah, lots of lots of bad over in those shows, but a lot of great. Um, and, yeah, Daredevil was very consistently good. I'm with you on the season two second half thing. Other than that, I think it's pretty stellar. I've rewatched bits and pieces over the years since originally watching them, and I, I still – Love it. Still get a big old kick out of it. Um, I remember being so stoked in uh, the theater uh, for Spider-Man No Way Home when Charlie Cox popped up for a little cameo. Kind of got me amped that, you know what, maybe this is possible. Maybe we're going to get full on more Daredevil. Is it going to be a movie, a show? I don't know. I just want to see more of them. And I was so excited when they announced this new show. And then pretty much ever since that announcement, I was like <laughs> getting more and more terrified until finally they did this creative overhaul. And we're going to talk about it, but it's just so crazy seeing what changed in the overhaul because it's baffling that those things weren't in place originally. (laughs) Yeah. We're talking cast members. We're talking tone. We're talking about pretty big things that they just recently (laughs) changed. We're talking Um, about
1: seeing Daredevil in
0: costume. Yes. Yeah. which is A novel concept, apparently. Um, I've definitely liked the Kingpin stuff more than you guys, but I still totally see what you're saying. And... I, for the first time, I think I am curious, maybe not cautiously optimistic because I don't really know how they go from the end of Echo with him wanting to um, become mayor. Of course, also at the end of Echo, she seemingly like takes some of his pain away. So kind of to your point, Austin, like, are they kind of setting up Fisk to be like me? Not a good guy, but like. A guy try- a bad guy trying to be good? I don't know. Like I we don't even really know if he's the main villain. Are they gonna like come out with like some surprise main I don't know. But so I'm kind of with you there. So there you go. There's kind of our initial thoughts. I think post overhaul, I'm feeling way more optimistic and super excited for this show. Normally this is the part of our show where we would drop a spoiler warning. Obviously we're not talking about a project that's actually out, so we won't do that. So that's good for you, cause you can keep on listening.
1: Yeah, before we move into the main content, I think I gotta know, are you Thinking or hoping we'll see Cousin Biscuits in the Daredevil show? I'm hoping. You know, I'm hoping.
0: Man, what a character! I, 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 I kind of feel like Cousin Biscuits and Foggy Nelson could have become buddies. <laughs> <laughs> So before we get to our timeline here, uh, let's do some cast and crew talk like we normally do, Austin. Let's at least go over the people that we know for sure about.
1: Daredevil Born Again will be showrun by Dario Scardipane. Uh You may know him from The Punisher, State of Affairs, and the Amazon Prime show Jack Ryan. Uh, the premiere will also be written by Scartapane. The directors that have been confirmed so far for the show are Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who you may know from Noon Night, Matt, your favorite show of all time, uh. Uh, and Loki Season 2, they are taking over the directing duties for however many episodes the show ends up being. It's unclear if the previous directors will retain credit or how much of their work will stay in the show when it finally comes to streaming.
0: Yeah, so that's going to be an interesting kind of a... We'll, we'll see. I'm curious about that. Um, as for our cast, of course, we have Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock, Daredevil. Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk, Kingpin. John Bernthal is back as Frank Castle, the Punisher. And some new faces. We have... Margarita Levieva as Heather Glenn, who is described as Matt's new love interest. Michael Gandolfini as Daniel Blade, a character supposedly super close to Kingpin. Uh, Sandrine Holt as Vanessa Fisk, actually replacing Eilid Zur, who played the role previously. I don't know if there was like a scheduling thing or what happened there. Who knows? Nikki yeah, M- and Elite was great for Netflix. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, Nikki M. James as Kirsten McDuffie, who apparently is the DA with a playful relationship with Murdoch. Artie Frowshen as Buck Cashman, who's an eco-terrorist of sorts that's tied to Kingpin. And of course, those were the people that we knew about before the overhaul. Uh, The big thing is now that the series has had this infamous change, new cast members have been announced, and much to fan delight, they are returning cast members that were somehow not going to be part of the original 18-episode series and that, of course, is Deborah Ann Wall returning as Karen Page, Eldon Henson returning as Foggy Nelson, and the great underrated Wilson Bethel returning as Dex Poindexter, a.k.a. Bullseye.
1: And I did also see that uh, Tatiana Mussolini from She-Hulk did an interview recently where she said, still waiting on a call for Daredevil, and uh, I don't think that call's coming.
0: Yeah, I think that I, that's one that I would like to see, actually. I would, too. Like a few episode arc. it would be fun to see the inverse of that, where maybe she comes to New York and they do a case together or something like that. would be fun. Uh, it would be weird, like to not address it at all, I feel like, but <laughs> I, I guess we'll see. I mean, if they want to do a complete creative overhaul, I guess they have to acknowledge that like there are some things that we just cannot address. you know, we have to tell our news story. so we'll see. I'd like to see it though.
1: I think anything from Hawkeye to Echo. With Secret Invasion included in that timeline, uh, Marvel would just prefer, in general, to not address. Yeah, I'm sure Kevin Feige wouldn't mind that. <laughs> um, I mean, we touched on it, but it is crazy that Karen Page and Foggy Nelson were not even thought to be included in the original draft of the show.
0: I think they were saying that like both Fisk and Matt were not blipped, so they were around for the that 2019 2024 five year gap, which is probably how Fisk gets out of prison. Um, because of stuff like that, post Daredevil season three, um, and how he's like trying to build up the tracksuit mafia and those people that we saw in Hawkeye and stuff like that. But what, what everybody seemed to agree on that like they were hearing is that Foggy Nelson and Karen Page were referenced and that they were killed off screen by Kingpin. And like part of the like dynamic of the hero villain thing in the show was that that's why Matt's going after him. And it's like. Doesn't that kind of spit in the face of the amazing Daredevil season three ending where like Matt has that badass fight scene with Bullseye and Kingpin? He beats both of them. And as he's like beating Kingpin's face to a pulp and considering killing him, he says that you will go back to prison. You will not hurt my friends because Fisk is like, I'll never stop hunting them. He's like, (laughs) you will not hurt them. He takes his mask off, looks him in the eye and says, because if you do, I will go after your wife and prove that she like orchestrated a murder. And then you're going to tell us in the reboot, Fisk just... Somehow kill them off screen, even though Daredevil was around. <laughs> like,
1: what happened? <laughs> and then Daredevil was not going to be in costume at all, and I guess just prosecute him in court. <sighs>
0: yeah, <laughs> bizarre, bizarre choice. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for all the returning people. Uh, I love, I love the interpretation of Bullseye from the Netflix show. So excited to see that. As for the new, as for the new people, I, I'm, I'm excited about some of these like little descriptions we're getting. So. I'm I'm curious to see some new players in this uh in this little universe here. So, let's just get into this timeline. The way we're going to do this guys, bear with us is I just kind of went through and did a little research, pulled all the big hits that uh, kind of stood out to me and you know, some of these will just literally say them and keep moving. But, you know, we're going to kind of stop as we go here whenever we want to talk about stuff. So I think it's going to be a fun conversation. And you know what? We've always said the Arnie's number one goal is to educate. So <laughs> now you'll know and be fully caught up with the uh, the turmoil. Of there Elton is.
1: Hornigan. There's definitely a gap in our public education system, and we're here to fix it. We're, we're here, here, here to, to fill that gap. Up. We're here to fix that. <laughs> All right.
0: So Whenever I was first putting this together, I was just kind of considering starting in like 2022 and just doing the born again stuff. But then as I started to look back at kind of the previous era, it made me realize, hmm, I guess Daredevil never really fully had it put together. Like maybe they made three great seasons, but it was never easy. And so I thought that was a good place to start because it kind of uh, that vibe carried over into the reboot.
1: Maybe we should have gone all the way back to 2003 with Ben Affleck. (laughs) I thought
0: about it as a joke, just to like have it start with 2003. (laughs) Ben Affleck plays Daredevil. So here we go, guys. October 2012, the start. The film rights to Daredevil and the other Defenders characters revert back to Marvel from 20th Century Fox, meaning those characters could be used in the MCU. Hooray, says fans everywhere. Um, Between October 2012 and October 2013, Drew Goddard, probably well-known for Cabin in the Woods, uh, pitched a new Daredevil film to Marvel, but they turned it down because of it being R-rated. After conversing more, they realized it didn't really make sense to give a street-level character a $200 million budget film. This led to the initial conversation to give Daredevil and these Defenders characters TV shows instead. I mean, without those TV shows, I don't know if you get all the Disney Plus shows. I don't know if they would have thought to do that. Who, Who the hell knows?
1: It is still wild to me that 11 years ago and still today, Marvel is still scared of making R-rated content, even though their yeah. comics are violent. Like, it's it's yeah. crazy to me that they're, like, so scared to go that far. Yeah,
0: and with stuff like, I mean, like we said, Echo was the first TVMA thing, and it sounds like, with this creative overhaul and, like, that coming out, they are, I guess, on board with doing that now. They created a whole, I think it's called the Marvel Spotlight Banner. Sounds like that's where they're going to put the more, you know tvma stuff and i say why not i'm excited they're kind of a diversifying in that sense
1: yeah i still think they could do more of it though i mean yeah. echo was tvma but not really i mean it seems like it was yeah. mainly that for language
0: yeah and of course i mean as we know the only um marvel mcu movie we're getting this year is deadpool 3 and that's the first movie that's yeah. gonna be r-rated so there you go uh but yeah funnily enough kevin feige was not pleased with the idea of doing these tv shows because he wanted to incorporate the character daredevil specifically into the mcu films but because at the time he was only the president of Marvel Studios, like the film division specifically, and not yet the chief creative officer for Marvel Entertainment as a whole like he is now, the Superior shot him down and ordered him to focus on the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy instead. Um, moving right along the same month, right basically right away, October 2013, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist series are announced uh, for Netflix, which would ultimately culminate in a miniseries with the Defenders. Remember that? That was bad. <laughs> this announcement oh, though i man. remember being so hype i was so excited i remember walking through like college campus at night with like listening to a podcast and i was like
1: what really <laughs> i love daredevil ben
0: affleck my favorite actor <laughs> uh, is he coming
1: to netflix i thought him is and is jennifer he were divorced
0: <laughs> oh god uh, so, f- also I thought was interesting, a couple months later, because I forgot about this, December 2013, despite initial disagreements over the use of the character, Drew Goddard is back, and he was hired to showrun the series. The first season was based on Frank Miller and John Rita Jr.'s classic 1993 miniseries, Daredevil, The Man Without Fear. Even though the R-rated film idea that he pitched was turned down, they did decide, you know what, for TV, we'll do it. We'll do TVMA. Yeah, Netflix is like, we don't give a shit. We'll put <laughs> yeah. out the <that> R-rated content. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I was like, oh, that's funny, Goddard's back, but why did I remember him being there? And here's why. In May 2014, Goddard steps down as showrunner to direct,
1: drumroll everybody. This is so funny to me.
0: A Sinister Six movie for Sony. Um, And of course, I mean, if he had made that and it was just
1: bad, that would have been one thing. But as we know, (laughs) we never got that. (laughs) That never happened. Nope. And I was actually reading about this before we hopped on. Yeah, Uh, right. He was going to have spider-man ride a dinosaur in that movie oh my so God.
0: <laughs> well you know what's funny about that is at least uh, drew goddard was going to make a sinister six movie that had spider-man in it <laughs> i don't think sony can do that now <laughs> they're yeah, well, trying.
1: Back, back then sony was allowed to have spider-man but if we fast forward to today they're making a Madam webb movie and can't even reference spider-man now they're making a sinister
0: six movie with venom morbius i guess Craven. Jamie fox Jamie, Michael Keaton from the MCU that accidentally fell in a hole and ended up in the Sony universe. <laughs> but who are they fighting? Not Spider-Man. We don't know. Not a Webb. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Is she a good guy? I don't know. Um, but yeah, so he left to do a movie that never happened. And Stephen S. DeKnight, who I, if I recall, he was um, tied to uh, Spartacus at the time. Uh, he takes over show running duties. And then right away, May 2014, our boy. Charlie Cox's cast as Matt Murdock, Daredevil, and he was the studio's first choice. So they got the person they wanted. And then to kind of finish the casting conversation uh, soon after in June and July 2014, the rest of the cast is confirmed, including, of course, Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk Kingpin, which I remember being I remember popping
1: for it at the time. It was like, whoa, OK, that's pretty that's pretty big. Yeah, this was such a great decision by the casting department. I mean, they picked two. I feel like Charlie Cox at the time was definitely more unknown, Uh, but then to anchor him with Vincent D'Onofrio, I mean, what a way to have two compelling hero-villain dynamics to carry your show. I mean, they just, they truly nailed it. And from the first episode, it was very clear, like, these two were perfect for this project. Yeah. And it's not surprising that, like, every
0: time one of them pops up, you're always eager to see, like, the other one walk into the scene, and we haven't gotten that until... This show, I mean, we've seen like them individually pop up in projects, but you're like, we're just the anticipation has been so good because seeing them on screen together in the show was like
1: always such a major highlight. Or um, unfortunately, you see sometimes Kingpin pop up in the Hawaiian shirt and you're like, what are we doing here? This is. Yeah. Weird. And I like talk but I still, I still think that clothing choice, I, I'm still baffled by that. <laughs> that. That was something. All right.
0: Uh, Yeah. So moving on in March and April, 2015. Uh, Jeff Loeb and Charlie Cox confirmed that if the shows were successful and people liked the characters, they could cross over with the MCU films. So, this next uh, couple blocks here I I find very interesting because this is kind of the start of uh, the whole conversation about
1: these. Canon uh, versus not canon. Right. These Netflix shows being canon or not. And it's wild to me that even the cast was confused. Like, they would do interviews and say, yeah, we're in the MCU. And. Marvel like executives at the time were like well we don't know. So it's it's crazy that no one like, had a clear understanding of if they were actually going to carry forward into this giant broader universe. Yeah. Yeah, it's very
0: weird. Um, so then like kind of jumping off that point in April, 2015, uh, the big release daredevil from Marvel's television, and ABC studios premieres on Netflix and is quickly renewed for a second season. Uh, so going off your point, Austin, it's important to remember that it was confirmed at the time that the show and the other defender shows are in the MCU. Again, is Kevin Feige out there talking about that and saying that? No, but based on the things I'm about to say, it's like, well, it, I guess it was because characters are directly referenced. Iron Man, Thor cap, all those people. Uh, the events of the Avengers are specifically called out. They're in New York, and they are like, talking about the devastation that that movie left behind. And places like Avengers Towers uh, are seen. So why there was a question of you or making the show canon later is kind of odd in hindsight when it was already in the MCU, just, I guess, not called out constantly. I don't know. Like you said, it's a whole big confusion for everybody involved. Uh, but in terms of quality, it has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes and was considered
1: a universal, like, major surprise. And this was still the era where... Netflix having their own content, it still feels new and fresh. So this is like the height of binge TV where Daredevil season one drops. And in a weekend, the public has finished it and cannot stop talking about it. Great point. Yeah, it it is weird to
0: think about that. I mean, I always forget. um, Like when did something like House of Cards premiere? Like it wasn't 2011. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like that long before that. And especially like we weren't getting constant. Netflix original shows or movies at this time. So you're right. It was a big deal. Um, but yeah, so soon after, you know, the show premieres, they confirm um, a season two. And I, again, I talked about like, like <laughs> kind of like going back through this time, like I can remember where I was at specific instances for specific times, like hearing um, like news. Or I remember seeing like the first photos of uh, Charlie Cox and Vincent Denoferi and being like, oh my God, it's gonna be so good. I will never forget being, uh, doing study abroad in London. And I was listening to a movie podcast one day after a class. and When I saw this news, this was like a major jaw drop. I could not believe it. So June 2015, John Bernthal is announced to be joining season two and not just joining. He is going to be in a main role and not just any role. He's playing Frank Castle, the Punisher.
1: And this was, like you said, jaw drop because John Bernthal is coming off of portraying Shane in The Walking Dead, another kind of angry uh, havoc causing character, and it's just. You can't help but think they nailed it. And the only thing you could think is, I cannot wait for Daredevil Season 2. Yeah, exactly. They knew what they were doing with that cast announcement, for
0: sure. Uh, so here we go. About a year later, in March 2016, Season 2 premieres. Tonight, and okay, so here we go, guys. Uh, this is what I was talking about. Uh, it's funny to note that Daredevil Season 3, you may not know this because it is very consistent. Three different showrunners over three seasons. So <laughs> the whole like changing showrunner thing is nothing new for old Daredevil. <laughs> Um, But yeah, so Denite doesn't return as showrunner, and first season writers Doug Petrie and Marco Ramirez get the job. It gets an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Obviously, this is still high praise, but the first half that focused on The Punisher was considered to be more intriguing and better handled than the second half with Elektra and The Hand.
1: And this reception, of course, leads to the standalone Punisher show. right. And again, you
0: know, talk about like quick announcements. They were jumping on it, Austin, because I'm like, you're right. A month later, they're like, you know what? We're not gonna, just going to do another season of Daredevil. Our plan was to do Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and then that becomes the Defenders. But let's just do a Punisher show, and it won't even really tie <laughs> into that stuff. That's how popular it was. So that was huge at the time as well.
1: And it is crazy all these years later, even though John Bernthal got two seasons of his own show, appeared in multiple seasons of Daredevil. It still kind of feels like they wasted him. Like it, it's still like you look back and it's like, man, they had a, a perfect casting, and we really haven't seen much of him. Like it, it's, to me, it still feels like yeah. he should have played a, a much larger role in all of the Daredevil stuff on Netflix, and then also the MCU.
0: Yeah, it's like he was like the one of the main characters in this in the first half of that season, and then he like, you know shows up a little bit here and there as the season goes on. And then yeah, you're right, he does get like you know two seasons of his own show. But I'm kind of with you. It's like. Maybe it would have felt different if he had a recurring role in season three. I remember being a little bit surprised that he didn't come back at all yeah. for season three. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. Who knows? kind of a weird choice, but he's coming back. So let's hope they don't waste him. So jumping ahead, October 2018, season three premieres with Eric Olison becoming the showrunner. It gets a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. So this is considered a pretty big step up from season two. Sounds like you and I both agree with that, as I know the general public does, too. Uh, and there's very high praise for the return of Kingpin in a leading role and the introduction of Bullseye. Upon the premiere, here's where things get interesting. The series and those involved were already planning a fourth season and had done extensive pre-production work. Season four would have introduced a new antagonist with the fifth and final season being about the final confrontation between Daredevil and Kingpin. So when this season comes out and does gangbusters for Netflix and you know everybody involved, they're you know the plan is what they expected you know we we have a hit show on our hands this is like multiple seasons in so obviously we're gonna do season four right let's start working
1: on it (laughs) and i remember after because the second half of season two was was much worse than the first half there was kind of that apprehension for season three of like has netflix lost it can the show keep its legs and then when it when season three came out and it was so good it's like okay we're probably going to get at least two more seasons of this
0: yeah it's also important to remember that um the reason there was a big gap there in terms of what I was talking about for um between like season two coming out and season three, because season two was just like basically one year after season one. And then it went, uh what, I guess, two years for season three, like two and a half years, I guess. Uh, I didn't mention, of course, the fact that uh in between that time, Daredevil did play a lead role in the Defenders miniseries. But to your point, it's like the reason I think maybe some of us were apprehensive is like season two definitely kind of falters as it goes on. And then the next time we see him is Defenders, which I, I can't really like, – I'm not being hyperbolic. That's a very bad show. It's very yeah. bad. Uh, I can't believe they bungled that one. I mean, that was going to be their Avengers for the street-level heroes, and they really ruined it. Uh, so to, kind of to your point, it's like Daredevil wasn't thought of as like an amazing thing at that time, especially going from season two to that. And so I think there was kind of a general air of – Uh oh! Did like you know the Marvel Netflix shows are are they kind of losing steam? So I remember being like very happily surprised when they announced that season
1: three was indeed coming. And at the time, the MCU is kind of reaching its peak, so there is conversation of should Netflix be handling these characters? Like maybe if this was a truly Marvel project, maybe they could do it better. Yeah, Um, and maybe you know. I guess maybe
0: they agreed because despite in October 2018 when the premiere comes out and everybody being excited for season four, one month later in November 2018, the series is unfortunately and officially canceled by Netflix uh, to the surprise and disappointment from the cast and crew as well as the public, I'm sure. Um, And then interestingly enough, kind of the rights tied to Marvel TV and all that stuff uh, prevented Charlie Cox from appearing in anything as Daredevil for two years uh, once they canceled it.
1: And I remember this news being shocking because... You're still yeah. binging like coming off of that binge of season 3 yeah, it's like fresh you in just your mind. Yeah, and then you're expecting news on who's a potential villain for season 4 or things like that and instead it's it's just not happening anymore. Yeah. Like none of this stuff is happening anymore.
0: And I don't think we fully know what kind of all happened there cuz I don't know if you remember, but there was that very weird time. It was like, even if you didn't love the other shows, I I, I love Jessica Jones season one. I love Luke Cage yeah. season two, Iron Fist season two. I actually think it's pretty good. I know most people didn't watch it because season one was such kind of a colossal fuck up, but season two, pretty good. So, and the Punisher stuff, I, I enjoyed as well. But there was a, so I guess what I'm saying is despite how much you like those shows, it was like kind of like a sad time, I bet, for like the cast and crews, because once they canceled Daredevil season three, do you remember kind of that weird, like trickling effect? Because then yep. it's like Jessica Jones season three still had to come out because they shot it. But it's like they already knew. Well, I guess the writing's on the wall. I guess we're just gonna release this, and a month later, we'll get canceled, which is what happened. Same with Punisher season two. It's like everybody's so excited. It's been so long. It comes out a month later. It gets canceled. And like so, each like new season would come out after Daredevil got canceled. And then, of course, yeah, they just all got canceled. It was like yeah, this is just kind of sad. Like, should I even watch these seasons? Like, I know it's not gonna go anywhere.
1: And I remember reading interviews with mcu executives getting asked like are your characters coming over is that why these are canceled and it almost seemed like there was this like disdain is a strong word but it seemed like there was this disdain for the netflix projects of like oh no that's separate we would never touch that stuff that's netflix's thing we're doing our own thing over here those characters will never come in the mcu yeah and it was that weird thing where it's like
0: once they got canceled
1: i remember places like hulu were like well we'd like to pick it
0: up um I can't remember. exact. I think it had something to do with Disney plus kind of maybe affecting that because it's like Netflix became the place for Marvel TV and ABC studios, produ- ABC studios productions. But then Disney's like, well, you know, the way that we kind of did TV previously was through our connection to ABC. But now we're going to make our own streaming service with Disney plus. So I think that's maybe what slowly led to like Uh, those shows being canceled and then of course they were removed from netflix entirely and of course later we were happy that they came over to disney plus but i guess the advent of disney plus maybe is what led to these being canceled i don't know
1: well and i think before like when these shows originally went to netflix disney didn't own marvel yet so the fact that this hyper violent thing is now under the disney umbrella it was almost like there's zero chance we'll see this again because disney doesn't put out violent stuff Right. Especially at the time. Yeah.
0: So I mentioned that, you know, rights prevented Charlie Cox from appearing in anything as Daredevil for two years. And this was November 2018, right after season three. So it's perfect. Let's jump ahead two years. So June 2020, you know, we're talking about like, who's going to pick up these shows? What's going to happen? Do they go to the MCU? So it sounds like in June 2020, Kevin Feige finally got his wish. We talked about initially his plan. Once Daredevil reverted back to them, he was like, this is perfect. I love Daredevil. I needed it in the MCU. But since he wasn't in charge, they were like, no, focus on your Avengers and big stuff. Uh, we'll put him on TV. But now, in June 2020, Charlie Cox is contacted by Kevin Feige directly to talk about future appearances in the MCU proper. Uh, and that led to, of course, in December 2021, uh, Kevin Feige publicly confirms that Charlie Cox will reprise his role for Marvel Studios after the character's surprise cameo in Spider-Man No Way Home. And it is a good point, Austin, because it's like, here we are in January 2024. And in terms of Daredevil content, I mean, I know we're you know very excited for the future, but it's like, we got that cameo, and then we get another cameo years later in Echo. Like we've seen way more of Kingpin than, we, than we've seen of Daredevil. So we've had yeah. to wait a while. You know, we got that little intro in 2021. So I guess, it, you know, probably like four years later is when we're finally going to get like a main uh, Daredevil show where he's finally the lead, not just doing a cameo. So also, funnily enough, talking about Kingpin, the exact same week in December 2021, Vincent D'Onofrio returns as Kingpin in Hawkeye, confirming the characters would return in the future of the MCU as well. Uh, I know, we, you know, we kind of have varying thoughts on that show, but I remember, The fact that it happened in the same week was cool because even though they were small roles, it was kind of that thing we're talking about. It's like, oh, shit. So if they're both back, that means we're going to get them on screen together sooner rather
1: than later. It's not just one or the other, which was exciting. And then I think here is when the speculation starts of could a Daredevil show happen on Disney Plus? Exactly. So here we go. Let's like kind
0: of full board dive into the Daredevil born again side of this thing here, this timeline. So March 2022, Daredevil and the Defender shows are removed from Netflix after Disney Regain the television rights that like we talked about. And this led to Disney Plus introducing new parental controls, actually, so that more mature content and TV MA shows could be on the service. Uh, that same month, Production Weekly includes a Daredevil reboot in their report of upcoming MCU projects in development with Kevin Feige and Chris Geary as producers. And this marks the start of initial development.
1: And I think this is where it starts to come out that A Daredevil show would be TV-14 instead of M.A. So a couple months later, the reboot is confirmed to be a series in
0: active development. It hasn't been like officially announced, but it's kind of like one of those like open secrets, I guess you could say. And it is going to be a show. It's not going to be like a big movie for the both of them. It's going to be a Disney Plus show with Matt Corman and Chris Ord attached as head writers and executive producers. They decided to give the series an episodic structure and lighter tone compared to the Netflix series. It also sounds like they were heavily exploring a TV-14 project, like you said, as opposed to TV-M.A. And this is something that I don't think we're ever going to know the answer to. Obviously, I know Kevin Feige is an insanely busy guy and like he's an executive producer on all these things, but it's like, obviously he has to invest his time in certain projects more than others. I mean, there's no way that he could be like the main creative force in all of them. He's, I think, just like there when he can. That said, the guy that loves Daredevil this much, like always wanted him in the MCU. I am like genuinely surprised. I'm not like shading on him, but it's like, Huh, so you signed off on doing, like, a, basically, like, a Law & Order style show, which is, I mean, he's a fucking lawyer, I get it, but it's, like, you wanted to do a, a long season, it's not going to be TVMA, it's going to be episodic, like, are you sure? Like, I'm I'm kind of surprised that he signed off on that.
1: Yeah, I remember hearing about this at the same time they were talking about a potential She-Hulk show, also right. saying, like, it'll be an episodic law show, and both times I'm just thinking, like, if I wanted that, I'd lost I'd watch Law & Order. I I want to see superheroes doing superhero things. It it seemed so strange to me at the time. It just felt like they were being different for the sake of being different.
0: But that's also the weird thing. It's like, I get it. How do I word this? It's like, I guess it should have been one or the other, at least to me. Like, I I really like She-Hulk Attorney at Law. I I enjoyed that show. I thought it was a blast. It was so fun. But it's like, that was, you pitched that as your Law & Order show. Great. So then why Daredevil that comes later? Why are you aiming to do the same thing? It's like... Why not just do a season two of She-Hulk? Then, like, why why are you doing two Law & Order style shows in the MCU?
1: (laughs) And did they really think after three straight seasons and multiple spinoff appearances of seeing Daredevil be Daredevil and then have to wait multiple years that fans would really be excited just to see him be a lawyer? Like that seems like a terrible idea. So kind of a, in connection with that, in
0: July 2022, the title was revealed to be Daredevil Born Again. This was the official public announcement that everybody might remember when Kevin Feige brings them out on stage. It's said to be an 18-episode first season, which I, another, you know, we're talking about jaw-drop moments. When he said 18 episodes, I, I was, like, excited, but also, like, why? That, that, that's a lot. <laughs> um, and they said it's just a first season, with Cox and D'Onofrio returning. At the time, Cox of the series was a whole new thing and not a fourth season to the original Netflix series. It was later revealed that the 18 episodes would be split into two nine episode halves, I guess. So it's not quite a season two situation, but there was going to be a divide somehow. Uh, The long season was expected to be because, like we said, the series was episodic and would almost be like a Law and Order case of the week type situation. Such a weird plan. Despite our feelings on that, I think we even... We were still kind of excited at the time. And it was probably because we were wearing, like, you know, Matt's famous rose-colored glasses. <laughs> where we were just like, ah, well, that I don't agree with that personally, but I'm excited our boys are back. Like, I was still excited. <laughs>
1: um, but And then, Marvel, like, projects are starting to falter a little bit here, but Marvel still has yeah, a lot of goodwill, too, at yeah, this time. Yeah, of course. Of course.
0: But I've kind of been separating this timeline as we've been going into chunks. And I would say uh, this next section is where it truly becomes a shit show. So (laughs) here's what happens, guys, in case you forgot. Because this happens quickly. So the pre-production's done already. After that announcement, they've done the work. So it's been about a year since they officially started development. So March 2023 rolls around. We've done the work, and now filming begins in New York. Uh, So three months later, June 2023, filming halts in accordance with the 2023 Writers Guild of America strike and then in September 2023, just another few months go by, Daredevil Born Again is publicly said to be undergoing a creative overall. <laughs> another jaw drop moment when I read that. I'll never forget that one either.
1: Um, a year and two months since they announced it.
0: Yep. Yep. Marvel Studios made the decision and fired head writers Corman and Ord and also let all of the initial directors go. Six of the 18 episodes had been filmed. I don't know if they were completed, but uh, I guess to a, a like a watchable degree. Um, The Hollywood Reporter said that Marvel Studios executives had reviewed the footage so far and realized that Born Again, quote, was not working. Uh, Corman and Ord's episodic take on the series was said to be a large divergence from the Netflix version, including that Cox did not appear in costume as Daredevil until the fourth episode. Um, Corman and Ord were expected to still be credited as executive producers, which is good. I mean, they should get their credit. But this kind of ties in Austin. Like, that's the end of the shit show on the timeline that I was talking about, but I don't know how you felt at the time. It kind of reminded me of Solo a little bit. If you kind of think about like Kathleen Kennedy's role in Star Wars at that specific moment in time, and you think about Kevin Feige's role in Marvel at this specific time, it makes you like, because this whole thing with Solo is like, we basically filmed the movie. Here we go. You know, Phil Lord, Chris Miller, they hand them a movie. And like Kathleen Kennedy's like, oh my gosh, this is too goofy. Yeah. And, and then they're kind of like, well, yeah, you've seen our work. We pitched it to you. We told you what we were going to do. And you could have been reviewing the footage this entire time. We finished the movie. You don't like this? You knew what you were getting. <laughs> you hired us. And then she was like, no, 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 no. Sorry, you're fired. We're going to redo the entire movie. And then it becomes a failure box office because of it. Uh, but that's kind of how I feel here because it's like, you wonder, Kathleen, wh- what were you doing? Like, <laughs> You should have been like more up up to speed. I wonder the same thing with Kevin Feige. We talked about, huh, that's weird that he signed off on this take on Daredevil and then whenever you see, like, a year later, like, a year and a half later, they're like, oh, creative overhaul. You're like, well, yeah, <laughs> of course. Like, I guess I'm glad that you're doing it. But still, it's like, how did it take this long? You shot, like, a third of the episodes? Like, yeah. This sounds like it was. we knew this was going to be a recipe for disaster already. And
1: <laughs> 2023 is the year where Marvel kind of has to reckon with their total TV strategy. Yes. And there's been a lot of reporting on this where if you think about the MCU and their films – You get directors and you get these writers but really the people who are in charge of how the story flows is the marvel producers and executives who say this this and this has to happen because there's this other project down the road whereas when you make tv it has to be really kind of writer focused and they tried to take their movie approach into their tv shows and the only one that's like really well received is wandavision and that's two and a half years ago at this point so they're having to kind of have a reckoning and decide how do we want this tv structure to work and they were trying to kind of go against the grain of how TV is traditionally made. And around this time is when they're starting to realize maybe we need to start kind of running TV shows like TV shows instead of running TV shows like MCU projects.
0: Um, I think, of course, with their TV division, it also just became quantity over quality. I think probably Kevin Feige and the people involved is like we're starting to lose a little bit of control. I mean, you're churning out this many TV shows. It's like you're not going to be able to be that involved in all of them. So it's like whenever – you put out that many and a lot of them get mixed or negative reviews. It's like, well, now the goodwill is starting to go away. Um, and I think we could probably say fairly that Daredevil, Born Again and Echo to a degree were kind of the culmination of that, where it's like they at least realized it before release. They were like, we've been doing this for a few years now to middling results with TV. And then it was like it was like the boiling point. Like Kevin Feige was like, we cannot fuck this one up. We yeah. got to stop. We got to stop and fix it now. Uh, So I think this is going to be a big moment looking back on and like the whenever Marvel the MCU is done one day, we're going to look back on like this is whenever they decided to get their shit together
1: on the TV side. Well, the other key thing here is secret invasion. Uh, There's been a lot of reporting on that where production kind of blew up. Uh, People were quitting. Actors are starting to knock it along with the um, crew behind the scenes. People, they were starting to run into timelines of actors having other commitments and maybe not being able to continue the show. And the way Marvel always makes their movies is they film everything, and then when they decide things don't work, they bring people back for reshoots, and that's where they fix it and then stitch their movie together to to send it out to theaters. And that's worked for them for years. Uh, But moving into TV, TV takes so much longer to make that you start running into obligations and you can't fix things in reshoots. So I think Marvel and Kevin Feige are starting to realize we have to be more involved during production of these shows, or we're just going to start running into more and more mess ups and our stuff's going to keep getting poorly received. hundred percent agree. And I think um, the thing
0: you mentioned that kind of sticks out too when talking about this is like them trying to take their movie strategy and put it into TV. Um, Whenever this blew up with daredevil born again, it was also, I was shocked to learn that there was some reporting that, you know, whenever they were like, okay, we got to change and do this more like TV. We have to have showrunners. I remember hearing that and being like, what the fuck do you mean? You don't have one (laughs) guy with like one guy or gal with like a creative vision. Like, spearheading the show, I was like, that doesn't make sense. And it turned out there were people like credited as being a showrunner. I think probably the most famous example is Michael Waldron is credited as the showrunner for Loki, I guess, at least like Loki season one. And then Eric Martin, I want to say was his name. I, I'm Sorry if I'm wrong there. He was the guy that did season two. And whenever season two came out, it was then reported that Eric Martin was one of the head writers on Loki season one. And Michael Waldron, the showrunner, so to speak, actually left midway through production, which this was never said, so that he could go write Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness because Kevin Feige asked him to. And then Eric Martin just secretly took up the duty. So it's like they didn't have showrunners, they were crediting people, but these people were really just the head writers. And it's like yeah. writers are great, they're important, but these are not always people that are kind of that, you know, firm put-your foot down director type that's kind of like leading the charge and kind of saying no to certain things, but then saying yes to certain things. Uh, so the uh, we talked about the head writers of this show, the ones that were fired. There was no showrunner. They were the ones that were like tasked like, hey, you're writing the show, but you're also like steering the ship basically. It's like, that's a weird move. So this also marked the change where they were like, okay, going forward, we are gonna have, you know, that showrunner in addition to writers. Weird that they were like, oh, I guess we don't need that, but it's good that I guess they're changing that now. But let's get into the final portion of the timeline here, guys, this is kind of basically the start of what we know about the actual overhaul itself. So October, 2023, uh, Dario Scardapane known for writing the Punisher previously is hired as the showrunner. Uh, we already talked about how, you know, the previous writers were not the showrunners, which is again, still strange. Um, but yeah, so Scardapane is going to be the showrunner and he's also going to be set to write new episodes in addition to writing a new pilot episode, which is interesting. Uh, But he's also tasked with kind of writing new scenes specifically to fit in with the pre-existing footage that they deemed they could use. So we'll see how that kind of works out. Um, At this time as well, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, known for Moon Knight and Loki season two, got one win in there, one miss, uh, were hired as the new (laughs) head directors. Uh, The new team decided to ditch many of the previous ideas and change the show to have a more serialized structure, shorter episode count, and be more directly connected to the previous Netflix series. A lot of people behind the scenes, including some of the cast, have kind of switch their tones. Like, however, like, Charlie Cox previously had been like, well, this is a whole new thing, not season four. This has, like, kind of been openly called this is season four now. Um, so, yeah. D'Onofrio said that the main creatives of the series got together and decided that Born Again should harken back to the tone of the Netflix series as well as continue storylines from it.
1: Prior Which is to also, the o- like, yeah. duh. Like, <laughs> yeah, why were right? you not planning to do that originally?
0: It worked yeah. on Netflix.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, that's kind of the whole thing. I and mean, I guess we'll maybe talk about it a little bit later, but it's like... I know we talked about it at the beginning, but it's important to, I guess, acknowledge, uh, I I can't believe I didn't uh, mention this earlier, but in in the initial show, it sounds like they just weren't really going to reference like events of the Netflix series. It was just like kind of move forward. And I think it was because at that time, they were like, this is not MCU. That show is not MCU canon. We're just going to keep the actors and not really reference it and tell our own story. So that was their choice. And after um, the overhaul, after Echo, um, they were like, OK, let's just say that that was MCU canon now and move forward. <laughs> uh, again, weird choice. But anyway. Um, oh, yeah. So prior to the overhaul as well, the following actors were part of the series. Clark Johnson as Cherry, uh, Sabrina Guevara as Shella Rivera, along with Michael Gaston, Mark Geller and Harris Euland in undisclosed roles. It was unclear if any of these actors would be included in the new direction of the series, but we will see. Uh, So then jumping a little bit more forward, we have January 2024. Marvel Studios head of streaming Brad Winterbaum acknowledged that previously Marvel Studios had been a little cagey about what was part of their sacred timeline and canon to the MCU, kind of like I already mentioned. Apparently there had been a corporate divide about what Marvel Studios had created and what Marvel Television had created. He continued that as time had passed, Marvel Studios had begun to see how well integrated the Marvel Television stories are and personally felt confident in saying Daredevil was part of the sacred timeline and MCU canon. Again, a quote that makes me laugh. It's like, you know, actually, recently we just started to realize those stories are pretty good. <laughs> that was 10 years ago,
1: idiot. How <laughs> did you just realize that? We kind uh, of realized, like, hey, people like this Netflix stuff. We didn't know that. Did you hear that Daredevil was on Netflix before this? It was pretty cool. You guys um, know that John
0: Bernthal plays the Punisher? Yeah. He's like, oh, I thought Charlie Cox was new to this role. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, Marvel Studios began looking at the Netflix series as a more integral part to the MCU after the creative overhaul started. And then with Echo's release, all of the Netflix Defenders series were retroactively added to the MCU Disney Plus timeline, with Daredevil placed alongside the Phase 2 content of the MCU between the Guardians of the Galaxy films and Avengers Age of Ultron. And then also in January 2024, a big one with the writer's strike and creative overhaul complete. Filming on the series gets to finally resume after seven months. Original series stars who are not part of the original version of Born Again, Deborah Ann Wool, Eldon Henson, and Wilson Bethel, are finally officially confirmed to be in the
1: show now. And there have been set photos that have come out recently yeah. showing them all together. So, I mean, they're out there filming. So cute. All right. So I guess technically that
0: is the end of what we know now. I did throw this on here because I thought this was interesting. So looking ahead to the future. January 2025. So... Uh, pre-overhaul, we kind of know now, I guess, after the overhaul, like kind of looking back, we're, we're kind of seeing like reports and like certain things um, get published or whatever. But basically, it sounds like the original plan was this show would have released January 2025. Uh, but they still are seemingly maintaining the idea, especially now that the series is shorter. They do have pre-existing footage. Um, it is still planned for 2025, but obviously it's, it's going to be much later in the year. So let's
1: keep our fingers crossed because I don't want to wait too long. The only thing I can think of with, like, multiple different people's footages and different directions and all that kind of trying to be stitched together, I just can't help but think of 2017's Justice League, where how that feels like two different films. Like, when you watch that theatrical cut, like, it's so clear that so many different people had their hands in the pot making that project.
0: Yeah. (sighs) yeah i mean it's it's a fair concern i mean there's still a lot of work to be done it's like they're not like fully like reshooting everything they are reshooting a lot but it's like okay so how are you going to stitch it together because that's definitely you know easier not easier said than yeah
1: (laughs) and especially the part where it says they're keeping existing footage in my mind like i'm like start from scratch and i'm not a tv maker or anything like that but i feel like you just start from the ground up if you've got a whole new team in there
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully it doesn't feel too um, jumbled. Hopefully they don't get a a Justice League situation like you said.
1: Justice League.
0: All right, guys. So that's the timeline. I know that was a long one, but I think there's tons of interesting shit in there. Um, Before we close out, we're going to do kind of like a little random grab bag discussion. There were certain things I could have added to the timeline, but I didn't want each individual like – kind of entry to be too long. So I just kind of threw on some random things that we um kind of know, maybe some quotes there and then some other just like random tidbits that might be good and we might be excited about.
1: So we've gone through all that. Uh, we, you know, of course we know New Direction, all that uh, cast members. We love coming back. What do you think you're most excited to see? I am glad that the trio is back. I don't think it's going to be
0: for like as much of the series as maybe some people hope. I think Deborah Anwell was only confirmed for like three episodes of the series, Uh, But still, just to get that trio back together, um, I'm very happy about I I thought the ending of season three with them kind of cheersing and like, you know, bringing Karen officially onto the, you know, Nelson Murdoch team as Nelson Murdoch and Paige was super cute. A perfect little ending. Um, I'm excited to see where they are, because like we said, I mean, a, a lot of time has passed in universe, I guess, like. That was 2019, I guess, you know, six years, maybe. So well, I want to know what's been going on now. I guess I could maybe even phrase it that way. I'm very curious now that the overall has happened and like, you know, they are going to be more directly referencing Netflix stuff. I'm curious, like what little tidbits they'll throw in kind of like through dialogue, like, you know, what's been going on in these six years? Like, has like anything like cool happened? Have any like villains resurfaced or anything like that? So. I'm just excited to hear kind of like what's been going on. I guess technically some of the flashbacks in Hawkeye whenever he was operating as Ronan, kind of gave us some insight to what Wilson Fisk was doing off screen during the snap. But kind of like on the flip side of your coin, I'm curious, you know, this is the show. This is like the most screen time he's going to get so far. Like, will they acknowledge like what happened to his empire, how he got out of prison again? Like during it would have been during the snap. Like, was there like some like weird loophole through the snap that it's like he can leave now. And then like, how does he maintain his empire? Does Vanessa, his wife get snapped? Does that change him? Like, I feel like this could be a good opportunity to explore some of that because since this is like a weird continuation thing, they would have to maybe acknowledge what's happened since the last show. And that the main thing would be the snap. So we'll see. I know you and I are kind of always curious about that and we never really get it. I'm kind of resigned to the fact that we probably won't. But yeah. I think this could be a good opportunity to address some of those factors.
1: It could be a really cool opportunity to truly make this show feel ingrained in the MCU and then also kind of show MCU fans something new that we haven't seen addressed. Like it could just be like a really natural fit for this character.
0: Uh, Because, yeah, I mean, we talk about kind of the TVMA. There's certainly a lot of uh, more mature themes and, you know, you could explore during the snap. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Kind of going on the TVMA point. I I just liked this quote, Charlie Cox. This was actually when he was talking about the show being TV14 instead of TVMA, and he kind of supported the initial uh, decision to make it TV-14 in kind of the lighter tone. He thought that they could still be faithful to the character, but he did say uh, he is a fan of the more mature storylines because he likes it being TVMA since they can explore Murdoch's Christian guilt, his age, and promiscuity with women because... Everybody knows Matt Murdock in the world of Marvel is, like, a genuine slut. Like, he, <laughs> he gets around. We've, we've seen him get around in the show as well. But this is one of the reasons I'm excited that it is TVMA, not just for, like, violence or anything like that. Uh, I know the original show was – it could be very violent at times. But it was just, it was really the themes and the tone, like, the more mature things they were exploring with, like, you know, sex and, like – I mean, we haven't even talked about it at all, but I, one of my favorite parts about Matt Murdock is, like, he is this, like, hardcore little Catholic boy, but he is doing what he's doing, and kind of the whole, like, confession nature and his religion is makes for a very complex and interesting character. So I think we can actually explore some of those because of the decision to change the rating.
1: Yeah, and, and they didn't shy away from it with the Netflix show. They dove headfirst into all of the Catholicism, um, and then from the little we've seen of Matt Murdock in the MCU, we've already seen him be promiscuous. He dove right into She-Hulk, so... You know, mm-hmm. we, he, they're definitely continuing that trend, even with it being TB All right. um, Another
0: quick one that I'm very excited for. And this, you know, kind of continues the trend that we've been talking about. It's like, really? You made, you weren't going to bring back Foggy Nelson? Or just like a random example of like, what? The original decision didn't involve that. I'm also surprised that uh, pre-overhaul, uh, Philip Silvera was uh, not the stunt coordinator. Uh, but after, they ended up hiring him to do all the stunts and kind of the choreography and fighting. Which is great, because he did it for the Netflix series. So
1: he's back. And that is good news, because... The choreography in the Netflix series was so sweet. Um, I'll never forget that they kind of kicked off that trend of hallway fights. And there's so many iconic moments that stand out from the action in the Netflix series. All right, so I wanted to throw that quick one out there, but I did want to end here, Austin, with a
0: probably the most like substantial, not not thing in regards to the show. I mean, if it ends up happening, it's pretty cool. But you know, as as we know, a lot has changed in regards to the structure of the show, and it sounds like there's been some reports here and there. That when it comes to like kind of the serial nature of the story now, they may actually be taking a page from one of our favorites, Andor, and using the arc structure. Because and I guess where this report kind of initially came from is people were like, Huh, it's interesting that uh Deborah Ann Wool has like been confirmed to be in the show. Now that's great, but only for three episodes. Again, we don't know how long the season is. Is it if it's, it's ten episodes, like I don't know. Uh Wilson Bethel, wow, he's back as bullseye, that's great. Only three episodes. Okay, that's interesting. So this is kind of leading people to think that they might be doing arcs, which I think would be super cool. Um, So Wilson Bethel, like I said, confirmed for three episodes. And it sounds like it's going to be about him coming back post paralysis to take down both Fisk and Daredevil. Um, But the one that we got to spend a little bit of time here because it's really cool sounding. uh, The one that we know the most about is the Punisher arc that we'd see, of course, John Bernthal back. Um, It's being called Revenge of the Punisher. Simple, sweet, love it, clean. Great name. Um, And it would be about Fisk utilizing the police for bad because apparently his whole thing here kind of um, in order to get, I think, mayor, one of the things he's going to do is double down on, like, getting rid of vigilantes because he he hates his old friend Daredevil. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so one of the ways he's going to do that is pretty fucking dark. Uh, he's going to utilize the police for bad by getting them to don the Punisher logo and go out and commit violence. So obviously Daredevil's like, oh, that's not good. I got to stop that. But unbeknownst to anybody, this is when this would actually lead to the reemergence of Frank Castle himself. And he's going to be giving the cops uh, a beat down because they're using his logo for evil. And even though Frank's not evil, he's he's an antihero, so he can kill evil people. <laughs> but uh, I think that's just a cool premise.
1: Yeah, it's very cool, and and we all know Frank Castle has his own kind of code that he operates by, and and that definitely is not part of that code, so a lot of people, I think, will be getting shot in the head by Mr. Frank Castle.
0: Whenever you're asking what I'm most excited for, if they end up doing like an Andor-style arc structure, that would be the thing I'm most excited for. Um, Especially
1: if they tie it to villains, because that could really make it feel like a comic book series, like you have this kind of mini arc with a villain, another villain, another villain, maybe an overarching theme throughout all, but that sounds really cool.
0: Yeah, it sounds like for sure, if it's like four arcs based on lowering the episode count, you would get one that we is definitely Punisher focused, and one that is definitely now Bullseye focused. So that could be really cool. Um, but also, like in terms of like another like little thing I'm excited for, I, I can't believe I didn't mention this earlier. It's like because y- you know, you talking about you know, we love John Bernthal as Punisher. In the grand scheme of things, we didn't really see like a crazy amount of him. Um, the last we saw him with Daredevil was him like kind of helping. Uh, Daredevil defeat the hand a little bit after Electra dies. And so they they end on decent terms, but, you know, it's very easy to see that they could fall back into their old, like, disagreeing ways, still kind yeah. of supporting each other. But that's another thing I'm excited for is, like, what is the relationship with Daredevil and Punisher now in, like, the six or seven year gap, whatever you want to call it, between, like, Daredevil season three like, has he seen Frank at all? Has he seen him? Or like, was it the last time was at the end of season two? I don't know. So I'm curious what their relationship will be like. I'm sure it'll be exactly what we want it to. Is it to like, it'll be buddy-buddy when they can, but probably like trying to stop each other from uh, killing people at other times.
1: And I know I keep going back to this, but what was Frank up to during the snap? Yeah. He's a vigilante with the strict code. What kind of stuff was he seeing and dealing with?
0: Yeah. And it is interesting because um, John Brentel has been confirmed since before they changed things up, but- I don't know if he's only going to be in three episodes. I think people assume he might have a bigger role, but it also it could have been just since they confirmed him before they change everything. He might have always been planned just to be in a few episodes. So we'll see. I have no idea the extent of what his role will be, but I'm sure John Bernthal is happy because I remember it took him a long time to sign on because he was not happy with doing a TV 14 version of Punisher. So he probably kind of he was like, fuck it, I'll do it. The fans will like it. And now he got his wish. So he got he's got to be happy.
1: Yeah, I'm just glad he's back. Uh, if, if this is the last time we see him, at least we kind of get a send-off. If there's more space for him in the MCU and, and what Kevin Feige, and what Kevin Feige has planned, um, I mean, I'll take any amount of John Berthold in my life that I can get.
0: All right, well, with that, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, please... Share us with your friends if you enjoyed this episode. We really would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and TheArnie's.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday with another
1: episode. And everybody, we do want to hear from you, so please message us on Instagram at TheArnie's or email us at TheArnie'smedia at gmail.com. What do you think of everything going on with Daredevil Born Again? Is this show cursed? Are you still excited for it? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live in our latest episode.
0: That's right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this one. Have a great rest of your week. See you next time.
1: I can't wait to see Daredevil will be a lawyer.